on here? What what in the world is this? Uh, you could try. I don't know what it is. It looks like an overgrown house church to me. I'm not sure. But we're glad to have you here. And, uh, you know, it's really discouraging that we go away for two weeks and things just go on just like we were here. Actually, I, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Like I said, I, I said when we were there, I said, you know, they're probably having a great time tonight. Things are going on. They can do without us. You know, as a pastor, I I developed a codependent relationship with the congregation. They really needed me, and I really like feeling needed. But there's something better than that. There's something where we all together rely on the Holy Spirit so much that it doesn't matter whether we're here. And I, I say that with joy in my heart, that you guys can do this stuff. And that's what I'm going to share with you about in a little bit because uh, one of my messages that God has given me to share is a message that uh, invites you to dream, dream about your future, dream about what God's got for you. So I'm going to just share a few thoughts about that. But I want Karen to share first, and uh, she almost didn't come on this trip to Norway. Yeah, that's right. Uh, some of you know that I wasn't feeling very well. I had this weird thing going on in my intestines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's not really good for traveling. And so a lot of you are praying, and so thank you so much. The Lord was good. Uh, I think, what it, was it about five days before we... we third. No, but I mean, when you said, I think I'm going to get the ticket, and I thought, well, I am feeling a little better. And so in faith, we got the ticket. And as you know, we had Norwegians, uh, a team of nine here in May. And we were so blessed by them. They were just wonderful. And they prayed for Paul and I, and they gave us a, a gift, and that really helped with the ticket. And, and so it was like the Lord was just encouraging us little by little. And right until um, Friday, we looked at the passport. And what do you think? Expired. Right. <laughs> Expired. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure that's never happened to any of you. <laughs> and it, But it did happen to me. And I said, Lord, but I wasn't feeling well. And oh, my goodness, what did I do? Okay, well, I'll go to Duluth instead. I will go to Duluth, and I'm going to go to Iowa. I have plans. It's okay. It's okay if I don't go to Norway. But the Lord knew my heart, and it worked out so that we got to the passport office, and Paul at first said, oh, I, in California, when I did this, there was a huge, long line. We're going to get there. On Monday, we found out there's a new, by the way, for any of you that don't know, a new passport office. I'm pointing towards Minneapolis. End of May. (laughs) End of May, we found out it was open, so praise the Lord for that. And the passport thing, just, we got it. So... No, no. Yeah, we were there early. And of course, you know, we had to pay like sixty dollars, but we thought, well, that's not a whole lot compared to, you know, the, the stress of waiting a whole day and waiting in line and 
And Andrew ran down, and we just went down. We were there how long? For five minutes in each um, booth, and then Andrew went and got it. So that was wonderful. Okay, I'm a um, show-and-tell person. I'm going to say a couple things here. One of the gals, uh, the Norwegian girls, they uh, prophesied over us, and they... Uh, drew pictures, and one of them drew a picture of two hearts and then said, Misty Edwards' song, uh, and I've heard some of her things, but I did not ever hear this song. Uh, she said, it's it's two hearts, it's about the strings, God playing the, the strings of your heart, and, and I thought, oh, isn't that sweet? And I put that away, and I just said, Lord, you know, bless me with that, and someday I'll hear the song. So, in Norway, I happen to have... A birthday in Norway happens happened to be a kind of a young birthday. You know, when you turn a certain age, you start getting younger and younger because that's what the Bible says. Our hearts grow younger and younger. And yes, yes, yes. And on my birthday, this is the Lord's birthday present because one of the gals on the worship team, what did she play? And I had just looked at that picture on that day. I thought, I'm going to look at these prophetic words and just be blessed today. And there was a song. And I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. That's the song. So the Lord is encouraging my heart. And my desire was to encourage the people in Norway. And before I left, before I knew I was really going to be going, this was maybe two weeks before, and I said, and I, I do this sometimes, especially before I go to another country. Lord, is there, is there a reason I should be going? You know, is there something that maybe you want me to pray for this country? Uh, and I did this this time, and it was, uh, I felt the Lord speaking to me saying, remember that movie? And I thought, what? What? Is that you, Lord? That movie about Telemark. The Heroes of Telemark. So, well, yes, I saw it in high school and, and a few years ago, and the Norwegians. Oh, my goodness, this is during, this is historical, a fact that happened. During World War II, there were special forces. The Norwegians were trained because the enemy had invaded. The Germans, the Germans had invaded. They set up a, um, an area where well, you know, took, took over buildings, etc. But they, um, heavy water, have you heard of that before? They were going to make an atomic bomb. So, these guys were um, trained, all dressed in white, skied down these uh, dangerous slopes. And later I found out, I gave this word in Norway, and afterwards, a man came up to me. You know, there were about 5,000 people there. And I said, how many have heard of this? Well, we're in Norway. Most, most everyone, except for the younger generation. So I'd heard that that might be the case. So I, I just went ahead and, and told them, like I told you just now, what had, what had happened. And a man came up and said, I met uh, the last survivor who just died last year, who was in this, the special forces. And he had said, they knew that they would not, they might not survive. They were giving their lives. He said, Lord, if you are real, and I survive, 
I will give my life to. And so then he was teaching Sunday school for 20 years. He said it was such a blessing to meet him. Now, two days before I gave this word, and it was Saturday night that Paul was on for the last um, evening. Uh, One of the Norwegian ladies had given a word about taking back the inheritance they had. And I said, thank you, Lord. This is confirmation that I should go ahead and give this word. Another encouraging thing that happened was um, I was an art major, so I enjoy seeing people do their artwork. And there was a lady uh, painting during the worship. And she gave us a a painting here. Uh, Let me see. Should I show it to you right now or not? Okay, I will show it to you right now. She gave it to us, and you understand at the end of what I'm going to say here why it makes sense. Uh, she said it's a prophetic word, and it says two people making history. Well, there's a blue heart and a red heart, and it's a pencil. Can you see that? Yeah. And then there's one here. She had done a hundred hearts of the state of the heart. Uh, this one is, you know, the river of life flowing into your heart and out again. So keeping that in mind then, I went on to say, this is what the Lord showed me when I said, you know, that was a good movie. Good to see the Norwegians being brave and courageous. And Lord, what else? And he said, well, think of the spiritual. Okay. Yes, the robes, white robes of righteousness. You've equipped us, Lord. You've equipped the Norwegians with the white robes of righteousness. You didn't say what they did, but they skied down. Oh, didn't I say that? Oh, okay, they skied down, yeah. Broke through. Yeah, they knew they could die. This is very dangerous. And so they stopped this. They stopped the atomic bomb. And then soon after that, the war was ended. Maybe somebody has seen this movie. So I said, uh, the Lord is is uh, going to be doing this for you, making you strong in the spirit. Think about how many of you ski and like skiing. Some of you here, yes. Well, Norway, yes, they, they love skiing. And I, I used to ski in my younger days, and I loved it. It, it just, I felt young again. I, you know, I ski down the hill and just was freeing, and I thought, Lord, that's how you are. That's how the Holy Spirit is. So, I just want to sing this word over you right now, like I did in Norway. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us in a lot of different ways. You encourage our hearts, Father. Hmm. Sing over us, O Lord. Koyanaya yawala yarashoya. Moyanaya wala yarayana Thank you, thank you, Father, that you equip us. You equip us for the work that is necessary. Full of your spirit, Lord. 
You give us the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and the shield of faith. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are so good to us. With you, Father, all things are possible. We can break through enemy lines. We have the victory. We have the victory. In Jesus' name, break through the strongholds. The things that the enemy had in mind will dissipate. With you, Father, with you giving us the robes of righteousness, we are, we are purified, we are dressed in white. The enemy cannot see us. We break through darkness and the enemy lines, and you are doing that battle in front of us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. You are so, so good to us. We praise you, and we thank you that we can celebrate victory. Thank you, thank you, Father. You dissipate darkness, depression, anything that weighs us down. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Oh, 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 one last important thing. I just wanted to tell you, um, the map, maps are important. I love maps. So, this is the key. I forgot the key. Well, one of the key. Okay. What do you think I'm going to say? When, I didn't know where we were going. I took out the map when we got there. Where was it? What, where did I, what did I say? At the heroes of Telemark. Yes, that's where we were. We were right in Telemark. So it's like, Bold letters. I said, Paul, Paul, look, look. And, uh, I said, yes, yes, I see. <laughs> and then I, we talked to um, the different people, and we said, this is really Telemark? And as I told them about the history, yes, and this is where it happened. We are very close. So that was quite exciting. The Lord is good. He's very exciting and wonderful, isn't he? Do I want to say it again? Good, good work, great for Karen to be along because she shared every day in the seminar that I did uh, did Dare to Dream Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and then uh, on Saturday night uh, spoke in the evening that's when she gave her word before I gave my word but there are a couple other things that were happening that night as well. On Wednesday night a guy from Kansas City, Bob Hartley spoke very powerful. I never heard prophecy like I heard this, this week, never. I told him that and he shared Something about how God had taught him how to listen. So when he went to a reading, uh, Bill had heard about him and said, come and speak to our staff because Bob Jones says you know how to listen. Well, God really taught him. Just, just made me desire to listen more. And I'm getting some CDs. I just got an email today that he's going to be sending me eight CDs because I told him I want to learn from you. Uh, you've got some things that I really want to learn. So that was a neat thing. And on Wednesday night, yeah, Savannah was there too. And he had a prophecy uh, for Savannah. He was here with the Norwegians. Uh, on Wednesday night, he, he said, when things get tough, what we do in our families, we throw a party. 
when things are tough in a congregation, one of the best things you can do is have a celebration. I thought he was going to say, let's clear this chairs and have a celebration tonight because there is a certain restraint that is sometimes on Scandinavian people when they worship. You can you can feel it. They're not free as free to break through. Yeah. Uh, and I felt it on Wednesday night and I thought he might throw a party. When he didn't, on Thursday I met with the leadership and I said, I think that on uh, Saturday night we ought to have a party. And they said, uh, that sounds great. What do you mean? I said, well, Here's what I just suggest: uh, buy some balloons. They brought, they bought three thousand of them, and they passed them out as the people came in on Saturday. I found a couple beach balls, and while they were giving the offering, I started batting those around, and they were, you know, they were getting the idea that this is playful. And I, I then, uh, went, Karen and I went up. She gave her word, and then uh, hit the beach ball out, and they batted around, hit it back. Then after I spoke, and I'm gonna give part of the message that I gave to them, and I'm gonna share with you tonight, uh, truncated form. And then at the end, I said, "Okay, the party's starting. Blow up the balloons." They blew up however many, 3,000 or so, and they just started batting them in the air, and it brought such a sense of freedom joy, spontaneity, that they started dancing. I went to the keyboard, started playing soon and very soon, and uh, it started getting just playing wild, just <laughs> wild. But there were some in the center that weren't dancing. They were clapping, but they weren't dancing. There were a lot of people who were dancing around the perimeter. Yeah, so, yeah. So the leader said, okay, clear all the chairs away. That was an assignment because it was a big place. They cleared the chairs away. I didn't see anybody that wasn't moving, that wasn't dancing. Young and old together, people doing whatever kind of dancing. I don't mean just hopping. I mean dancing. Israeli dancing, ballroom dancing, running around, hopping, chains. And uh, the leader said, this is historic. This has probably never happened at a Christian conference in Norway. It was just like a new day. In fact, the next morning we had communion. They were still dancing. It was still, there was still such a celebration in their heart that they danced. So, uh, thanks for praying. It was a special time, special connection with the leadership there, with the people. Just loved it. Mike had prayed for me, Mike Anderson, and he felt uh, the word oppression, and that really hit it right on the head because there is a lot of depression in Scandinavia, a lot of it, by the fact that their uh, economy is just the opposite of ours. It's really doing well. There was a lot of oppression, and so that was a, it was a good time to celebrate. You know, just and speaking of the celebration, Matt, you remember praying uh here and in fact i think I, I shared some of the word because i had just gotten that word when you prayed that was like a week before and then i i said okay well this is the word i had i think i'm going to share it in norway and then you said yes a prophetic word and then you said flag so when i got there uh one lady with one red flag i thought hmm what can we do about this because i didn't bring all my flags and paul said well find some and Okay, they had a 24-7 prayer room, and sure enough, there were a whole bunch of flags. And what we found out, actually, that they started a TV, they, they had everything on TV, and so they didn't want people whacking, you know, the, the uh, 
what are they called? Cameras. Cameras, yes. <laughs> so, but I am, I am crazy, the crazy American that came that didn't know all the rules, right? So, you know, they're supposed to be over there, over there, and, and I'm in the center. I thought, well, the camera's over here, so I went and got the flags, and, and I didn't get in trouble. So we we broke the flags out, and we we did that with the dancing Wonderful. that we did it the night before. We had this prayer tunnel, and it was just fantastic. And then they continued to dance on Sunday. Yep. You go ahead. Tell them yep. <laughs> You're doing good, honey. I'm going to turn the light on so that some of you can... Text Matthew 25. Welcome to the adults who are with us tonight. You know Christiana and uh, Amy. This is their papa. Timothy. James's parents are here. We heard them praying. And a bishop from uh, Uganda. Where is he? Henry, you've met Henry. Uh, he was here about a year ago. Nice to have you. And there are a couple other adults. You're all adults, but you know what I mean. When I when I talk about kids, I'm not referring to them. So when uh, my dad, shortly before his death, he brought all of his children and grandchildren down and spoke words to us. It was kind of like Jacob prophesying over his children, and it was very special. He couldn't do it in one day because he was too weak. He was close to death. But I, I remember the word he gave to me, and it meant a lot to me, as do my sisters, remember. So things that Jesus said, soon before his death, are really important. And he told a story before his death that probably, uh, well, most likely was the week of his passion, probably on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, before the Lord's Supper. It's in Matthew 25. It's a parallel about investing. And so I'm going to ask you a question and then just look at this passage. Jesus has invested in you. And he believes that he's going to make good on his investment. I don't look at investments. I don't have many. I have a pension. And I, you couldn't have told me, I couldn't have told you a year ago how much was in there. Because I never look at it. I mean, never. I did a few months ago. <laughs> it had lost thousands and thousands, thousands. Well, that's that's what's happening. I don't know if you've not, if you've heard, but we're we're not doing well economically in America right now. I mean, it's it's not doing well, and it sure showed up in that pension. So um, I looked. So. What my question is, 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 how's God doing as he looks down on you? Because I want to say two things to you tonight. First is that he believes in you. He believes in you. And I want to show you how from this passage. But before I say that, how, how did Jesus show that he believed in his disciples? See, it's a wonderful thing to believe in Jesus, right? 
We get salvation. We get forgiveness. We get a lot of things for believing in Jesus. Flip that around and say, Jesus believes in me. Say it. Jesus. How do we see that in the way he dealt with the disciples? He gave them responsibilities. How, how, how soon after they started following him? What did he say to them when he sent them? Yeah. Pardon? What did he say to them when he sent them out? Oh, fishers of men. Anything else you said to them? Told them to heal. Yeah. Said heal the sick. Cast out demons. Did they have a lot of experience casting out demons? I don't think so. I don't think they'd ever. I don't think they'd ever. I think they should have said, wait a minute, we need a seminar first. <laughs> He said, raise the dead. Had they raised the dead before? They had never done it. He believed in them enough to give them assignments and to set them up, give them responsibilities. Any other way that he showed that he believed in them? He made them feel great. How did he do that? Well, by, uh... Made them feel great, he said. Oh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> he got involved. Um, well, he made them feel great in the sense that he, he made them feel value that they meant something. Yeah. You know, anytime that he, they, that he left, they always argued about who was the greatest. Mm-hmm. And something about hanging around with Jesus makes you feel good, makes you feel great, like you're worth something. Indeed. It's important to know that Jesus believes in us because some of us maybe grew up not believing in ourselves. Maybe, maybe your parents, God bless them, didn't know how to show you that they believed in you. Or maybe, God forbid, you were in a church that didn't believe in you. Maybe you were meant to feel, made to feel that you didn't have what it takes. We've heard some testimonies to that effect. I think I shared with some of you before about my friend Myron down in Alabama who took his daughter Angel, I think, to Birmingham to try out for American Idol. And she waited in line with her dad. They said the line was wrapped around the building a couple times, waited for hours, got in, sang her heart out for how long? 15 seconds. And then they said to her, you're not what we're looking for. And there were probably thousands of adults who were told, you're not what we're looking for. When I heard that, it made me sad, not just for Angel, who spent the whole day until she heard this great news, you're not what we're looking for. It made me sad because it made me think of people who heard that growing up, maybe in school or maybe by a coach or maybe implicitly, maybe inside of you, maybe because you messed up. That you said to yourself, I, I'm not what people are looking for. I'm not, I'm not what God's looking for. I'm not what the church is looking for. And so maybe you're too average. You're not spiritual enough. You haven't had enough seminars. You haven't had enough training. You didn't go to seminary. Why should you think you could do anything? Why do you think you could make a difference? Well, then you find Jesus believing in ordinary people. In fact, Acts 4.13 says, And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, 
and realize that they were unschooled, ordinary. Yeah. Anybody here feel kind of ordinary? That's just the kind that God chooses, see? That's the kind that he makes apostles out of ordinary people. Like I've heard Clint say, God doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. He'll choose you. He'll choose the Zacchaeus. And say, you can, I can use you. He chooses a Matthew. If he hadn't chosen a tax collector, we wouldn't have this gospel. Imagine that. I think when he chose him, I think his buddies, when he said to him, follow me, I think his buddies did something like this. <laughs> Others didn't have any thought of choosing Matthew. They, they didn't, they'd already written him off. But that's the kind of people Jesus chooses. People as ordinary as what you look. He believes in you to get the job done. Did he believe in the disciples to get the job done? Did they get the job done? Oh my, they got the job done. The more I believe that Jesus believes in me, the more I'm going to get the job done. Because it's going to give me confidence. It's going to give me encouragement. So, as we read through this now, if we get good news, give me a thumbs up when we, when we see something good, okay? If we get bad, give me a thumbs down. Again, at verse 14, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. Say servants. Yeah. We're children of the Father and servants of the Lord. Both need to be seen. Together, we fly with two wings. And entrusted his property to them. That word entrusted occurs four times in this little parable. He trusted them. So he gave them something to do. To one he gave five talents of money, so he's giving them money. He's saying invest it. So it's, a, it's, a, it's about investing. Jesus talked about this just before he died. To another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. How does that show he trusted them? He just left. Some pastors leave and their churches fall apart. And I wonder if they have some kind of joy. Boy, I, I was really good because they couldn't do without me. Just the opposite. Best thing a leader can do is leave when they're ready. Because you say, now it's up to you. The disciples didn't feel like they were going to get the job done. You know, They were gazing into heaven. Thinking he really is leaving. I think he, he just lifted off. I think he's. Uh, don't think we, we're going to see him again. But they turned their world upside down. Jesus believed in them. And he believed in them by leaving. Best thing Elijah did for Elisha was to leave. Elisha became strong. So, I'm just delighted that when we leave, things go on without a hitch, you know, the job gets done, because you know what, we believe in you, we believe in you to get the job done, we believe in you to do what God tells you to do, we believe in you to hear from the Lord, you don't need my permission to do what God calls you to do, you've got the Lord's, you don't need my teaching, you don't need my anointing, now, we do a teaching, but the Bible says the anointing you have in the Holy Spirit is enough, and that's, that's enough to get the job done, so, he went on a journey. 
the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. What percentage? Sounds like a hundred percent. I'd settle for two percent these days in an investment. hundred percent. So he must have made some risks. Does it take some risks to fulfill God's purposes in your life? A lot of them. You know what it also takes? It takes some failures. If you're too cautious to fail, I wouldn't hire you. You need some failures on your resume to show that you're not playing it safe. This is time to take risks to go for it. Failure is not an issue. Passivity is. Being a spectator when God calls you to be a participant, that's a huge issue. So, five more, good going. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. Hey, hey, way to go. That's a hundred percent. He had to take some risk to do that. But the one who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. What's going on here? Pardon? Fear? You know, it, it does take courage to do what God tells you to do. And it can engender fear when he calls us. That's why some of these great people say, here am I, send Harvey. You know, they, they would rather not because there is, there is an element. Anything else that going on here? Why would a person bury it? Think about it, because Oliver Wendell Holmes said that most people die with the music still inside of them. I want to hit the tape like my dad did. I asked him just before he died, I said, Dad, do you have any unfinished business? And he said, no, I did what I was told to do. Faithfulness isn't doing more than anybody else. Faithfulness is not working yourself to death. Faithfulness is just doing what God gives you to do. And we've been telling you that God's put something inside of you. God puts a dream inside of everybody, more than one often. Something for you to do. It's like an assignment from heaven. Something that makes you significant. Everybody wants to leave their mark. We all want to. Some of us dreamt of you know, catching the winning touchdown pass or breaking a school record or painting somebody that people remember or, or writing something or saying something funny or doing something smart. We want to be remembered. We want to make our mark somehow with somebody, if not with everybody, with somebody. So we'll, we'll have things dangling from our face if we can, if we can have, have somebody pay attention to us because we want to have influence, significance with someone, with somebody. I see moms have a baby, and they feel so special because they're needed by one person, right? You see that. It's so special. Or by a grandmother. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. So we want to we wanna make our mark. 
We want to have influence. So why would we die with the music still inside of us? Well, maybe we have fear. Or maybe. Any other reasons? Maybe we've been wounded. Anything else you can think of? Ooh. Can sure happen, can it? Just get lazy. You know, think about it, because you don't want, you don't want that. It, that doesn't have a good ending. You can just be lazy and not do what God calls you to do. You can get involved in other things. The American dream is not God's dream for you. After a long time, say a long time. He's been gone a long time. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So it sounds like we're accountable. Sounds like there's some expectation from the one who gave us something, some expectation that we're going to fulfill this. He believes in you. To take what he's put in your heart and to put it to use. You know, if you don't know what it is, that's not an issue. Obedience is, because if you're obedient, you will walk into it, even if you don't know what it is. But I encourage people to say, God, show me. Tell me what Tell me what you put in my heart. Tell me what my dream is. Tell me what my destiny is. You know, he might, he might tell you. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. He's so happy. What's the mood here? It's, it's really joy. What does his master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. He calls him good, he calls him faithful. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. You know, people who want influence, if they do something and gain influence, that's a real gift from the Lord to increase your influence. It's wonderful. If you desire to serve the Lord and increases your influence, that's a, that's a precious thing. And then listen to what he says. Come and share your master's happiness. The master is really happy. Heaven is not a grouchy place. God is not a grouch. God has a divine compulsion to celebrate you. I have that to celebrate my children. Karen and I, we have a compulsion to celebrate our kids. We love it. We love catching them doing something good. So we love to celebrate. God loves to celebrate you. The prodigal. When he came home, his dad said to his older brother, he didn't want to come in and join the party because he thought his dad was strange for forgiving him. He said, we had to celebrate. It's not, we thought it was a good idea. We had to. That father had to. This was time to celebrate. God catches you do something good, even if it's a glass of water to somebody. He sees what no one else sees. You may think you're a desert flower and you're out there. No one sees your beauty. God sees it every time. He sees every word you speak that encourages somebody. He's, he sees every glass of water that you give to somebody. Every deed of kindness. And he'll reward you for it. And he loves to celebrate. I said I was going to say two things to you. The first is that Jesus believes in you. Second is Jesus celebrates your success. He's doing it all the time. He's celebrating you. And so he tells this guy who's successful, come on in. Let's celebrate. And heaven is a happy place. 
The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. Hey, thumbs up, huh? His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I've said to my kids, don't look for happiness. It makes a crummy goal. It makes a great byproduct. Service is a good goal. Holiness is a good goal. Happiness not a good goal. I appreciate the documents of our country, but I'm not real excited about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I just don't think it's a good thing to pursue. If you're pursuing happiness, you will never find it. It's an illusion. But you pursue serving. You pursue going low and serving other people, not because it's not about you, frankly. Do you believe that? See, it's not about you. It's about them. And if you learn how to serve, you are going to be the happiest. And you learn that holiness is a true, it, it's more important than happiness. You'll be happy. Jesus was as holy as they came. And the Bible says he was the happiest because of it. T describe the master from what you've heard of him in these statements. What was, what was the master like? Generous. Generous. Full of grace. Full of grace. Trusting. Pardon? Trusting. Joyful. Joyful. Empowering. Empowering. Would you like to work for him? Yeah. Be fun to work for someone like this, wouldn't it? Okay, you got a good picture of the master from from what he has said. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Whoa. Where did that come from? Did he seem like a hard man to you? Okay, why would, why would this guy who was entrusted with money say he was a hard man? Bitterness. Pardon? Bitterness. It's bitter. Bitter. Yeah. We don't know what he's bitter about, but it sounds like he is. I agree. It's possible when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we expect. for something to happen in our heart. And for that experience to change our picture of God, we sometimes interpret pain as God's displeasure or God's absence. I wouldn't mind pain if it didn't hurt so much. But it doesn't feel good. And when it doesn't feel good, I may think I took a wrong turn. God went north and I went south. Or that he blesses people. I just don't happen to be one of them. So what's going on? Why didn't he answer my prayer? I prayed for a raise and I got laid off. I prayed for the child to live and the child died. What's going on? What's wrong with me? Or what's wrong with God? I may say that. And I might cool off. My heart hardens. And I just back off and I become a spectator. Hey, I'm a Christian. I just 
back it off a little bit because it doesn't always work. And when I look at God, you know, I think, you know, he's kind of hard to serve. He's not as easy as I thought. This thing doesn't work out. I mean, it's tough. And so I've got this, but I'm not all that interested in taking a risk with my heart like that. Okay, I'm talking about some of you, and there's no shame if you have some of that in your heart. There's no shame at all, because I've had it there before. We lost a child at birth. That wasn't fun. That was very hard. Karen didn't sing for eight months. And unless you get healed or something like that, you're not going to fulfill your destiny. Because you're not going to worship a monster. I mean, you'll serve him maybe, but you're not going to worship. And you're not going to fulfill your destiny. You're just not going to go for it. You're not going to take risks. You're going to get back where it's safe. And some of you, for whatever reason, are playing it safe because you can't stand another failure. You think failure is so important. When I was driving down 35W on my way to talk to a denominational leader to tell him I was starting a seminary, somebody had told me, Paul, you can fail. A lot of people have failed at this. I knew that was a possibility. But I, I just said, I don't care. It's not failure is not an issue. I've got to try it. I've got to go for it. I believe God's calling me to go for it. You've got to take risks. You've got to go for it when God tells you to go for it. But if there's something in your heart that has sunk down there, bitterness, resentment, do you know what it says in Psalm 18, 25, and 26? It says, to the pure, you show yourself pure. To the loyal, you show yourself loyal, but to the crooked you show yourself shrewd. Is God shrewd? No. That verse is saying that how you see God is what you get exactly. For instance, if you see God as stingy, that's just what you get. The elder brother said, you've never given me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. He was bitter in his heart. Wasn't going to fulfill his destiny. And he had a stingy dad. What did he get from his dad? Didn't even get anything. What did his dad say? My son. What did he say? You're always with me. All I've got is yours. The father wanted to give him everything. See, the father was generous, but he saw stingy, and that's what he got. If you see hard, hard is what you get. He saw hard. He got hard. If you see extravagant, guess what you get? If you see outrageously loving, forgiving, blessing, that's what the prodigal saw. He said, I don't believe this. This is crazy. I don't understand this. But it keeps coming. The elder brother saw stingy, uh, unfair, unjust. And that's exactly what he got. What's your picture of God? I'm not asking... Jesus loves me. Yes, I know, for the Bible tells me so. What does your heart tell you? What does it tell you about the Father? Andrew Murray said, your picture of God is the most important thing about you. So if you see him as somebody that's just outrageously forgiving, that's what you're experiencing every day. But if you see him as kind of hard to serve, man, this is tough. Then that's exactly what it is. That's what you're experiencing. So I just want to stop here. I'm going to finish in just a couple minutes. 
Say to somebody, I think he's almost done. Go ahead, tell somebody, I think he's almost done. If, I want to pray because I know there are some of us like that. And like I say, there's no shame in it because we've all been there at some point. We've all pulled back. If you're pulling back now, sad thing is it, it would be hard for you to fulfill your destiny. So I want to pray for any here who may feel like their picture of God has been somewhat skewed by their experiences of life. And you need the Father of Jesus. That's the picture of God that you need. You need to believe in the Father of Jesus, what he's like. Raise your hand if that's, if that's touched you and you're, that you struggle with that tonight. Raise your hand. And if you see a hand go up, you just put your hand on him as I'm going to pray. If you see a hand go up, just touch him. This is really, really, really important that you have a, a picture of God that is true. Because if you have a true picture, then you get everything the Bible says belongs to you. Father, we acknowledge that life is harder than what we thought it was going to be. And we're sorry that it is easy for us to develop something in our heart that shouldn't be there. We don't want it there, but sometimes it gets there. And we feel like, man, he's always letting me down. He's always letting me down. Why didn't he answer some of my prayers? Why didn't he give me what he gives to other people? And we begin to feel like a victim. And I'll tell you, victims don't get the job done. So any of you who feel like victims tonight, I pray that God will release you so that you won't feel in any way victimized by the Almighty Life may be. We've all been victimized by life. Life is hard. And some of you have had it worse than others. Some of you really had it hard. And so if I heard your story, I'm sure I would feel sorry for you. But that, that isn't going to be a good excuse for not fulfilling your destiny. So please let that go tonight. The Bible says in all their affliction, he was afflicted. Jesus doesn't come and punish you for your heart. He says... I feel your affliction. I feel your pain. I go into that. I go to the deep place of your heart and touch it. Lord, would you comfort them, Holy Spirit? Comfort them so that they can be released. So that there's nothing holding them back from fulfilling what you give them to do. So that they, with abandonment, can just go after their life. Total freedom, taking risks, going for it like little kids. We believe you. Now, you just close to somebody, just pray, just whisper a prayer into their heart. Go ahead.
Break it off, Lord. Break things off that don't belong. Break off any bitterness. Break off any resentment. Break off any passivity. Break off any desire to play it safe. Break it off so that people can feel free to take risks, to go for it. You said you had a word? Okay. I want you all now to, to picture Jesus smiling down on you. The benediction says, The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you. Look up his face upon you and give you peace. That's, that's what God wants to see you seeing him. He wants to, he wants your face to be, uh, to see him as a face of approval, a face of smiling. You know, one look can give you courage. One look of somebody close to you, one look of a parent who sees you in trouble, one look of somebody who believes in you is just, is enough. And he sees you tonight, and he wants to celebrate you. Wants to celebrate you tonight, wants to celebrate you tomorrow. He believes in you. He has confidence in you. Your failures aren't an issue. He doesn't trip over your failures. He's not saying, well, I, you got to settle for plan B. A girl in Norway came up to us after we did a dream seminar, and she said, I missed it in college. I did the wrong degree, and I need to settle for, now I'm, i got to settle for plan B. I said, look at me. There is no plan B. For someone who desires the Lord, there's no plan B. There is a plan B for people who are reckless, abandoned, wicked, self-willed, independent of God, they'll get plan B, because that isn't God's plan for them. But anyone who desires it, there's only plan A. Romans 8, 28 says that makes it very clear. All things work together for good. Bad things work together for good. Failure works together for good. Sin, even sin works together for good. For those who love God, who are called according to His purpose, because He turns it around. To accomplish his purposes. So I don't have any excuse. I don't need an excuse. I only want to live for the Lord. I want to make my days count. I want to make my life count. I want to die hitting the tape, running, fulfilling what God calls me to do. And that's what we desire for you. This is one of the main messages of Communitas, is we believe in you to do what God tells you to do, and you can do it. You can accomplish it. We believe in you. But far more important, Jesus believes in you. So I want to pray for you now. Then there's an announcement, and we're going to have small groups and close it out. We, we don't understand this, Jesus, because sometimes we have trouble believing in ourselves. 
How is it that you believed in those disciples? They didn't look like they could turn the world upside down. They looked like they were going to mess up. Somehow, they made it happen. And we, we don't want to disappoint our parents, our friends. We don't want to disappoint you because no one believes in us like you believe in us. No one has entrusted something so precious as a dream, an assignment, and really is confident that we're going to fulfill it. Lord, we don't know what you're entrusting at Communitas, but it's something big, something wonderful that we're going to fulfill corporately. Thank you for entrusting that to us. Something really special that's going to touch beyond Minnesota, maybe beyond the country, I think, beyond into the world, you're entrusting something. We don't know what it is, but we want to fulfill that destiny. And so we we bless each individual here tonight with a confidence as they go to bed tonight, I'm going to fulfill my God-appointed destiny. I'm going to do what God gives me to do. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to take risks. I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to do my assignment. Would you just turn to somebody and say, by God's grace, I'm going to, however however you want to say it, I'm going to complete my assignment, I'm going to fulfill my dream, I'm going to fulfill my destiny. Just say to somebody that by God's grace, you're going to do that. Just make a mark. Tell them. Tell them you're going to do it. Okay, that created a lot of smiles. Isn't that fun? Man, that's fun. You got an announcement, Drew? Yep. Uh, we need to request that everyone, or no one, walks out to the car alone tonight, so everyone walks out with somebody. Um, just for tonight. So okay. We'll find somebody if you're going alone. Wait for somebody to walk out with you. Someone else will be already outside. Um, but please don't walk out alone tonight, okay? Alrighty. We can do that. About 12 minutes. Uh, what we'd like to do is uh, we're going to break up into small groups of about three. At the most, four. Three is a good number. And here's what I'd suggest. You can do whatever you want to do, but here's a couple things I'd suggest. You may have an idea what's what God has put in your heart, what you'd like to do. If you do, share it and let them pray for you, that you you won't pull back from that. If you don't know, maybe you want to ask them to pray for you, that you'll uh, come to know what that is. So, anything else now? We're gonna we're gonna break up. If you haven't signed that clipboard, front and back. Remember, the front is newbies and. If you want to stay in touch with us, we'd like to stay in touch with you. That's the purpose of it. We'll send it out tomorrow or Thursday, and then you'll be knowing what's going on Thursday night. How do they know how to get over to your... Oh.